You're about to listen to the IC News podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Please don't forget, our show can only succeed with your support. Tell your friends. Share the link around on social media. Leave us a rating and a review on whichever platform you're listening on. And while we have your attention, take a second to hit that subscribe button. That way, you'll get a brand new episode each and every Saturday. If you're enjoying the show enough to want to support it, check out the link to our Patreon page. It's at patreon.com slash I see you stories. For just a pound or so a month, you'll get early access to every episode of the show as soon as it's finished, as well as early access to the Monday stories on the I see you Facebook page. You're listening to I see news, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. The government announced an extra £16.5 billion in funding for national defence, which is probably sensible when you've spent the last four years pissing off as many of your allies as you possibly can. Keir Starmer refuses to restore the Labour whip to Jeremy Corbyn, claiming he's too busy using it to flog the dead horse of centrism. Rishi Sunak faces backlash over a potential plan for a public sector pay freeze, as it turns out that wage increases in line with inflation don't function like Tinkerbell, and no amount of clapping on your doorstep will bring them back to life. And finally, compare the market to find nearly £18 million by the competition watchdog, meaning that they can no longer afford baby Oleg's diabetes medication and he's had to be put down. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to IC News. They are the Eggmen, we are the Walrus, goo goo gajoob, goo goo gajoob news. We're here to shout and swear the news into your subservient fucking faces, safe in the knowledge that that sort of conduct is completely forgivable, provided the big blonde boss man says we're working very, very hard on the very difficult job of weaponising an entire government department against innocent refugees. Now, I don't know how you at home feel this week has gone, but I'm not entirely sure that the departure of Dominic Cummings has been quite the fresh start that Boris Johnson's government were clearly hoping for. In fact, the escalator of embarrassing fuck-ups seems to have suddenly kicked into an even higher gear, sending the nan of shame flying and shattering her hip against the counter in the public humiliation department. Even when self-isolating, the Prime Minister is incapable of socially distancing his foot from his own fucking mouth, and at the start of the week he pretty much switched to campaigning for the SNP by branding devolution a complete disaster. And then, yesterday, at the climax of anti-bullying week, no less, because even God can't help taking the piss at this point, an investigation into Pretty Patel's conduct found that she had once again breached the ministerial code, this time in the way she has treated civil servants in the past. Boris Johnson, in typical fashion, decided that now's not the time to show decisive action against one of his favourite horsewomen of the crapocalypse, and the Home Secretary is, for now, keeping her job. In response, Chief of Ministerial Standards and Head of the Inquiry into Miss Patel's conduct, Sir Alex Allen spectacularly resigned. It was just another faceful of liquid shit on the never-ending thrill ride that is this Tory government's log flume in a sewage plant approach to governing the country. But that's not to say that there aren't still some loyalists clinging on to the hope that the departure of Dominic Cummings will somehow reverse the course of Boris Johnson's nosediving popularity. With his take on the week's events, we now go to our Conservative correspondent, the nauseatingly deferential Sebastian Forlock. (laughs) 
Thank you, sir. Once more, and at the risk of repeating myself, it leaves me positively ebullient and ecstatic to be here today as the voice of the modern Conservative Party. And by modern, I mean this week's Conservative Party. And by this week's Conservative Party, I mean today's Conservative Party. And not the Conservative Party who, earlier in the week, nearly cut off the whole of Scotland just to spite its face. That's right, we've hit the reset button, and then hit it again when it turned out the game was still rather glitchy. It's time to start afresh, reborn, still damp with the amniotic fluid of promise and optimism. Ouch! Daddy, gently, please. My nipples are rather tender, you know. <laughs> Look, all of you. I might be a conservative loyalist, a true blue believer, an acolyte of Thatcher and the free market, but I'm not naive. I know this hasn't been a pleasant few days for our government. I was as shocked and appalled, and most of all, surprised as you all were, to find out that Dominic Cummings no longer had the Prime Minister's trust shook me to my core. I'd always considered him an honest, likeable man, as I'm sure everyone listening at home did, too. Personally, I've spent many a pleasant evening in his company, chatting about politics and the future of our country, or having fire ants liberally applied to my genitals as he, and a dozen others, watched on masturbating in ermine robes and 18th-century masquerade masks. I was as disappointed as all of you were to find out that he was actually a deeply malevolent character who has been solely responsible for every unforced error this glorious government could otherwise be held accountable for. Put simply, the buck must stop somewhere, and it stops conveniently with one spad who has now been shown the door. It was a bold, decisive move, taken at just the right time to be several months too late. Our wise and benevolent Boris is now free once more, like noble Theoden, having had the poisonous fangs of Wormtongue extricated from his royal flesh. Oh, Daddy! It's my perineum, for goodness sake! Use a larger clip, I beg of you. It nips, it nips so much! The pain, it purges me. I am reborn. <laughs> and in that spirit, I can't tell you all how refreshing it is to shed the worst excess of the Cummings era. All of the nasty lockdown confusion that was entirely his fault. All of the chaotic pandemic response that was entirely his fault. All of the corruption and cronyism of the government's emergency contracts and PPE acquisitions process still ongoing, still entirely his fault. All of that unpleasantness lanced like a boil, leaving behind only the fresh new skin of a rejuvenated Prime Minister. Boris Johnson, the liberal moderate, is back. Or at least he would be, if he weren't immediately self-isolating from the press. Thank goodness that this time he's at least able to do it at home rather than in a fridge. As a country, we really do have to leave all of this unpleasantness behind us, 
for the greater good, you see. We can't afford to get caught up in petty, trivial little rows like Scottish devolution. I mean, really, all devolution impacts is the way entire countries are governed, and those countries aren't even England. And I'm with Boris on this one. When was the last time anything that happened in Scotland or Northern Ireland have any influence on a place like London? You know, a place that actually matters to this government. When Boris talked about devolution being a disaster, he meant generally, in the sense that it empowered people who don't count. At least as far as Westminster is concerned. It's remarkable that Nicola Sturgeon could take that sort of straightforward honesty personally. If anything, Boris was just making her own argument for her. He's gentlemanly like that, you know. It was like Scotland weren't even paying attention to the news of the great conservative reset. It was like they all thought Boris Johnson personified the outdated views of last week's government, back when Dominic Cummings was in charge. Well, tough neeps and tatties, Sturgeon, you won't drag down this government with its fresh coat of paint and its bold new attitude, no siree. There's only one woman who can bring down Boris now, and it's the new unelected supervisor, Carrie Simmons herself. Oh, Daddy, we agreed on the outside of the shaft, not down the urethra. Craggy, that stings. Oh, oh, shake it off, Sebastian. There's a good boy. It's time to look forward, Britain, not backwards like Captain Hindsight and his cronies. Our future is all that matters. With a new start comes new opportunities. I know that better than anybody. After Cummings was shown the boot, I found myself in dire need of a new master. Thankfully, there's no shortage of swivel-eyed sadists in the current cabinet. I can assure you there's a glorious future out there for all of us. We just need to have the will to believe in this government and trust them to seek it out for us. I'm Sebastian Forlock, connected by his intimates to a row of car batteries in Dominic Raab's garage. Reporting for IC News. Jump start my engine. Jump start For once, it's not actually been all doom and gloom this week. Nestled in the folds of the stinking turd of government incompetence, a global pandemic, and the American president's ongoing attempts to stage the most embarrassing political coup in global history, were a few yellow kernels of actual good news. Provided the Conservatives somehow managed to organise a coherent vaccination effort, it's looking increasingly likely that soon, at least one effective medical solution might finally start trickling through the enormous and miserable dam of coronavirus that's looming over all of our lives. Historically, this network hasn't been particularly kind to our perpetually disposable correspondent Rob Mulholland, which is why we've given him the easy story this week and sent him through the multiverse in search of an effective vaccine. 
Thanks, Sam. I'm Rob20, which is a nice round number on which to end the horrifying merry-go-round of death that my tenure on this podcast has produced. You can fuck off, mate. You've burned through 19 incarnations of me from throughout the multiverse. I've been crushed by trees, shot by Pretty Patel stormtroopers, electrocuted, blown up, killed by a collapsing 5G pylon. The list goes on. It's a worse catalogue of embarrassment embarrassingly criminal negligence than Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure at Man United. Well, no more, mate. If you think I'm dying today, you've got another thing coming. I'm from Earth Papa Gregory House 03, and we're a reality full of hypochondriacs. We take absolutely no chances with our health, and I'll be taking even fucking fewer with this report. I've travelled the multiverse in a padded hazmat suit with a full security detail to get here. And nothing, nothing is going to go wrong. You won't kill me, fucko. I'm here to get my vaccine and get out. If you're listening at home, I ask that you forgive my somewhat breathless tone. Oh, and also forgive that unintentionally tasteless pun, given that we're talking about COVID-19 here. If I sound anxious, it's because this pandemic has sucked balls. And not in the pleasant, understanding way that an experienced and generous man who knows what they actually feel like to possess suck balls, gently, tenderly, with just the right amount of eye contact. No, this pandemic hasn't sucked balls like that at all. It sucked balls the way a woman sucks balls for the first time. You know, like she's trying to get the stone out of a mango through the skin. Put simply, it has hurt, and it's left us all bruised and limping. Which is why it's felt so very good. Like dipping your newly tenderised spunk nuggets into a sink of ice-cold water to actually get some good news this week. Pretty much every other day, we've been bombarded with the soothing, cooling news that vaccine effort after vaccine effort is edging closer to fruition. Pfizer, Moderna and the Oxford vaccine have all shown promising results in wide-ranging trials. It's looking increasingly likely that in a few months' time, the world may finally start taking a real fight to this pandemic's gates. There's a long way to go, but the end is at least in sight. That glimmer of hope is all I fucking need right now. I've missed so much as a result of these constant and brutal lockdowns. I miss popping into the boozer for an off-the-cuff pint with a mate I've just bumped into for the first time in ages. I miss wandering around the shops touching shit I probably won't end up buying. I even miss standing around awkwardly at the makeup counter in Debenhams as my missus frantically tries to find a less anti-Semitic lipstick than Kat Von D's stuff. I miss the tiny, beautiful, everyday epiphanies that freedom grants us and that we all take for granted. I want to take a chance on a new street food I've never tried before. I want to stand for five minutes and listen to a busker just on the off chance that he won't be fucking terrible. I want to be bitterly disappointed when it turns out that he is. I want to once again feel like I'm having my balls sucked by a man for the very first time. If I have to take a chance to get me back to that wonderful feeling, I'll take it every single time. That's not to say I haven't done my research, mind you. 90 or 95% effectiveness is all well and good, but that's not enough for me. I'm about complete protection. I take my multivitamins, I boil water before I drink it, and any man who sucks my balls gets a full STI check and 
double bags before we ever start writhing together, furiously painting the canvas of the night with our sweat. Yes, that's right, Sam. As well as being a dimension full of hypochondriacs, my Earth is also exclusively pansexual and needlessly graphic. And I will do all I can to get back to that glorious debauchery as safely as I possibly can. It's why I've come here, to America, on Earth Alpha Polio Shipman 459. This is the only reality I could find where the effectiveness of the vaccine is a solid 100%, and I'm here to get it right up in me. Okay, sweetheart, are you ready for this? You're bound to feel a little prick. Believe me, I've had worse. Okay then, here we go. And there we have it. Simple, effective, nothing to worry about, regardless of what your idiot mate on Facebook or your thick uncle thinks. Ow! 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 (coughs) 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 What's happening? (coughs) Oh, you didn't read the fine print, honey? This is the reality where Trump won the election. The main side effect of the vaccine is death. (laughs) Because, you know, it's bleach. How the fuck is that 100% effective, you fucking mad bint? Well, nobody who takes it dies of COVID. You can't argue with that logic. (coughs) Oh, fuck you! Fuck this! Fuck you too, Sam! I'm Rob 20. (coughs) Reporting... Reporting for IC News. (laughs) Another satisfied customer. Mike, you can send in the next one. While it's possible that the first vaccinations in Britain may take place before the end of the year, it's still unclear just what restrictions will be in place at either a national or local level over the festive period. This week it was reported that the government were effectively considering a sort of Bright House loan approach to Christmas by offering everyone in December a glimpse of their families now in return for a month of misery later. With just over a month to go until Jesus' worst birthday ever, the Christmas marketing machine is already in full spin and has kicked out some controversies of its own. Here's Danny Sutcliffe to explain how. Christmas! It's that most wonderful time of the year. The bells are ringing, the snow is falling, and the presents are under the tree. The mince pies are out, Santa's about, and I've drunk so much that I've done a wee. In my trousers, no less, because that's the festive spirit. Look, everyone, there's no avoiding the fact that Christmas this year is going to be a little, well, weird. This has been a bruising, divisive year, and we've all suffered through it. This year, however we gather, whether it's in person or through a video screen, we need to remember what's truly important. Getting drunk enough to ignore the questionable political opinions of our grandparents, and eating enough cheese and meat to give gout to a fucking rhino. Normally, I'd say mid-November is far too early to be getting into the Christmas spirit, But after the year we've all had, I say fuck it. You do you, pal. If it makes you happy, if it brings joy to you and yours in these difficult times, you go up to the attic and get those decorations down right fucking now. Get that tree up. 
Get the eggnog down your neck. Stick the Muppet Christmas carol on and cuddle up to your dogs by the fire. Crash a Vauxhall Nova into the storefront of an Aldi and grab as much ham as you can before the Popo turn up. There's no naughty list this year. We all deserve a break and we should take one wherever we can get it. Christmas is a time for harmony and forgiveness. It's a time to look around us and treasure what we have, no matter how little that might be. It's a time when all that truly matters is the people around us. It's a time to laugh your fucking tits off when Lawrence Fox tries to fan the fires of the culture war with the same fucking argument we have every year over the lyrics to Fairy Tale of New York, only to find himself slapped down brutally by the Pogues themselves on Twitter when they tell him to, and I quote, <laughs> Fuck off, you Heron Volk shites. But as funny as that was, and it was very funny, that doesn't mean that the fucking horrible, twee, cloying, overly saccharine machine of Christmas advertising hasn't grated my gears this year. It bloody well has, and I'm not alone. This year, all I wanted was to be reminded of the simple human beauty of love and family. Instead, I got some grotesque misrepresentation that I couldn't identify with in the slightest. A family that looked nothing like me or anyone I know. A family with a smiling dad, even though we all know that he wouldn't actually be there. A family with... Whoa, Jesus Christ, Danny, what the actual fuck? What, mate? What are you on about? A grotesque representation that you couldn't identify with in the slightest. A family that looked nothing like you. A dad who wouldn't actually be there. Do you have any idea how outright and disgustingly racist you sound right now? Racist? What the fuck are you on about, mate? Carrots aren't a race, they're a fucking vegetable. And Kevin was missing all last year. It's literally all he does. He goes gallivanting about, the little orange prick, leaving his poor carrot wife to do all the prep. Then he just swoops in at the last minute to soak up all the glory, despite all the work the family put in without him. Well, I'm not fucking having it, mate. Not this year, when the message should be all about pulling together in a crisis. Oh. Oh, what? You're, um, you're, you're talking about the Aldi advert, aren't you? Of course I am! Wait, what the fuck did you think I was talking about? Well, you know, the, um, the Sainsbury's one. What the fuck's wrong with the Sainsbury's advert? Nothing, nothing at all. That, that was exactly my point. Point? What point? Seriously, pal, you've lost me here, and you've interrupted my report to do it. You better explain yourself pronto. Well, um, look, there's, there's been a small but vocal backlash to the Sainsbury's advert because the family in it are black. Whoa! Whoa, whoa, whoa! You hold your fucking horses right there, pal. In fact, hit your fucking horses and then walk away from your horses and donate your horses to a nicer man who actually deserves to own fucking horses. Why the fuck would it matter that the family in a British Christmas advert are black? It doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make. You have shocked me, Sam. You've outraged me to my very core. I honestly don't even think I can continue with this right now. I'm that bloody shaken. Look, Danny, I'm sorry, but you've got to admit, it sounded like that's where you were going with it. It's not exactly rational to be offended by fucking carrots. It's more rational than being offended by black people celebrating Christmas, you little heron volk shite. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, all right? I'm very, very sorry. So you should be. Honestly, mate, what were you thinking? 
It's 2020 for Christ's sake. I'm Danny Sutcliffe, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Reporting for IC News. Bollocks. That um, unfortunate awkwardness brings us to the end of our broadcast. As always, we leave you now with the headlines you may have missed. Matt Hancock describes Pretty Patel as courteous and kind, proving that dumb lapdogs really do just see the best in people. Rudy Giuliani's hair dye runs down both sides of his face as he once again appears at a press conference to baselessly allege widespread voter fraud in the US election. Admittedly, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm not sure that dressing up as Gary Oldman's character from The Fifth Element is the best way to convince the country that you aren't utterly fucking mental. The Pope's Instagram account appears to like a saucy photograph of a Brazilian model, and this time the Catholic Church have really gone too far with all this pervert stuff. And finally, the crew of I'm a Celebrity are refusing to work at night, as the set is apparently haunted by the ghosts of several careers that died in the mid-80s. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello, you've reached Che Burnley's voicemail. I can't come to the phone right now, but if you leave me a message after the beep, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Shay! It's me, mate, Danny Sutcliffe. <laughs> you were right, you fell for it. It was fucking brilliant. Oh, do you have any idea how outright and disgustingly racist you sound right now? <laughs> oh, God, he's a soft shite. Anyway, I hope you and yours are well, pal. Have a top Christmas and I'll speak to you soon. You've just been listening to the IC News Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to help us spread the word. Only with your support can we reach more people and build a larger audience. Every episode of IC News is written and produced by Sam Gore. Every week we feature guest voices from the UK stand-up circuit. Check out the podcast description to find out who you've been listening to. They're all very funny people, and you should check out their stuff. The IC News main theme is written and performed by Eddie French and the graphic design for the show is by Chunchy.com. Any additional music in the show will always be properly credited in the podcast description, so if you hear something you like, please check that out and support the independent artists who offer their work to shows like ours.